Well, hello, listeners. We are very, very honored and happy at being able to say this that we have with us today, Mr. Rajiv Malhotra, who has been trained as a physicist and then as a computer scientist specializing in AI. So here we are today to discuss this book titled "Artificial Intelligence: and The Future of Power: The Five Battlegrounds." So my good name is Abhivardhan. I am the chairperson of the Indian Society of Artificial Intelligence and Law. Since we have begun this book discussion, let's uh, have a brief overview of what the book is because there are five rounds which have been discussed in this amazing book so i would uh, i would request sir to uh, please brief about what the book is what does he think about it what inspired him to write and then we can go ahead with the discussion sure so uh, you know when i did artificial intelligence as a computer science student in the us uh, nearly 50 years ago it was a very uh, basic field not so advanced Uh, then i set it aside and i got into humanities social sciences started a foundation a think tank to uh, promote ideas about our civilization and do a lot of original research myself uh, but about 5 years ago i decided to uh, go back and uh, update my knowledge on ai and bring it in the context of indian civilization india indian thought issues in india because i felt that india lagging behind and of course india is now about 10 years behind china and the us in artificial intelligence we have a large amount of manpower trained but these people get outsourced they're working to create intellectual property for other people and not indian intellectual property and also a lot of the work that the artificial intelligence trained people in india are doing is very basic and low level kind of work so i felt that this needs to be addressed uh, and i was not satisfied i'm still not satisfied with the policies in india on data protection on the the way india is going about uh, you know, managing its artificial intelligence uh, program uh, and not fully aware of the dangers and threats that uh, foreign artificial intelligence brings uh, for india's national security so these are some of my reasons uh, and i organized the book into five battlegrounds each battleground is a is a kurukshetra where uh, different players are going to battle it out uh, battleground 1 is economy jobs uh they'll be they'll be winners and losers they'll be new haves and have nots uh, some of the industries will do well because of ai some industries will be wiped out uh, some people individual workers will do well make a lot of money uh, some investors will do well and a lot of other individuals will lose jobs so it's a battleground and it has to do with the nature of education and skilling and all that battleground 2 is uh, china pakistan the whole international geopolitics military because ai is very Uh, important for weapons uh, and I have, i'm having many discussions with military and defense people both in the us and in india and they're very concerned about how china has gone ahead in artificial intelligence and developing lots of weapons based on ai third battleground is psychology the the public uh, public being gamified by social media and social media is run by algorithms social media is not run by human beings sitting and you know mark zuckerberg is not sitting there making decision to be to boost this guy and ban this guy and uh, allow this fellow and all that all of it is automated run by algorithms and these algorithms are run by ai so ai is driving the whole all the social media and a lot of other uh, things happening in public policy a uh, lot of hiring firing of uh, when when people submit candidates when people submit uh, applications for a job Uh, in the us the ai does a screening and brings in a f- uh, f- a few s- finalists universities are using ai for admissions so ai is being used in a lot of different ways 
And this is battleground number three because there is issues of bias. There is issues of fairness. There is issues of are we becoming morons and delegating everything to air, 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 machines and letting machines run the life. So if the machine likes something I'm doing, I feel very happy. I'll do more of it. Uh, uh, if the machine uh, bans what I'm doing, I will not do it. Uh, a machine is watching everything I click, every click I make and figuring out what he likes, what he doesn't like, what is his ideology, whom he supports, who are his friends. Machine has uh, facial recognition so it can understand, recognize where I am, what I'm doing. So all of this uh, means that the machines are running the show more and more and, and people are surrendering their agency. This is battleground number three. Battleground number four is spiritual uh, uh, ramifications, spiritual implications of the loss of self. In other words, rather than going in, in my own adhyatma, adhyatmic side, which is what our yoga teaches, which is what our meditation teaches, rather than discovering the anand inside, we are going externally wearing variables which will make me have fantasy. I can go here, go on a vacation there. All kind of variables and augmented reality, virtual reality, taking the person's attention and his pleasure externally. Externally stimulated rather than internally uh, discovered. So this is the uh, there's a spiritual crisis that uh, this would cause. Now these are four battlegrounds, and uh, the fifth one is India. Uh, boy, what is happening to India? Uh, what how robust is India's sovereignty? So I called it the stress test, stress testing India's sovereignty. And I'm not talking 50 years out. I know uh, you know whenever I raise this issue to Indian officials, they like to pretend that it is far away. Ha, ho jayega, dekhenge. But I'm talking about 2025. I'm talking about the threats India faces now in the next few years. And by 2025, these threats will become very serious. And by 2030, things could really be, India could be in trouble. So those that is the uh, background of the book. I also want to say a little bit about AI and law. That, uh, that might, uh, and then I'd like to take some questions. One of the legal issues is uh, if an algorithm makes a choice, uh, you know, whether to turn left or right in a, a crisis mode, it's driving a car. If I turn left, I'll kill this fellow. If I turn right, I may injure that fellow. Who made the choice? Who decided which one Which one gets hurt? You know, so as algorithms make choices on hiring people, who? How, what are the consequences of hiring X and not Y? As algorithms decide there is a rare organ, an organ transplant is to happen, and there are 100 people waiting for, you know, a heart transplant, but only three heart, hearts are available, who gets it? Algorithm decides. So are there, who has liability, legal liability, if an algorithm is making decisions of life and death? And also an algorithm could cause accidents, could cause problems, not just choose between option A and option B, but actually malfunction. Who's liable? Now, you may say that uh, the uh, person who trained it is liable, but that's not so clear who trained it. Because, you know, when a child is growing up, there are many influences training the child. Parent trained him, school trained him, friends trained him, media also trained him. So just like the child looks at so many examples and learns from them and he gets influenced and he's a product of all kind of influences. And you cannot pinpoint and say, okay, this fellow is on drugs because uh, father trained him. It could be some friends trained him. It could be multiple influences, multiple influences. Who do you blame? So same way in the case of algorithmic training, training the machines, uh, you know, a machine gets big data and this big data gives uh, examples of what to do, what not to do. That's called big data. The, the equivalent of experience that a child gets is big data for a machine. Uh, 
but there is many the, the algorithm keeps learning uh, facebook's algorithms uh, learns from what i am doing is learned from what you are doing thousands of people are doing it's going on learning so you cannot pinpoint and say that the bias the bias and the problem in the algorithm is caused by so and so because it learned from many people many people trained the algorithm so who who is responsible plus you know these uh, there is lack of transparency in the algorithm when you ask uh, you know give me explain to me your algorithm the people who own it can't explain it because it's constantly learning it's constantly changing it is not a fixed algorithm the machine machine learning is a dynamic algorithm it's learning from experiences so like for instance if you have an algorithm that's learning about case law in india and you keep feeding it case law and so it it processes all the case law it understands the language could be hindi english whatever language the case is written in and it uh, uh, from that uh, it, it's able to derive you know what what actions produce what consequences what's the likelihood if your strategy is like this then you will get a favorable outcome all kind of uh, legal understanding just like lawyers human beings have it can also it can be augmented by algorithms so the question is somebody asked you okay show me the logic in your algorithm how you came up with this the person cannot because it is so complex it is so complex and it, the algorithm has learned from many many cases from many many examples much so much big data you cannot say that it uh, the the algorithm works exactly this way algorithm works this way in some case in that way in another situation in that case in another situation and the algorithm is always learning if i explain it to you today how it's working then tomorrow it's different because it's got new data also so this is another challenge for the law now the the uh, uh, the biases are a very serious problem being discussed and debated litigated in the us blacks are claiming that a lot of facial recognition uh, which is looking for different people it, you can recognize ai can recognize people individuals uh, and then when they look at uh, uh, pictures of prisoners if there happen to be more blacks then it begins bias that it thinks black blacks must be criminals uh, or if you are looking for uh, if you are looking at a pattern of people who have bad debt who should not be given loan or credit uh, you know then because of history because uh, a certain community were uh, suffering because of financial problem the algorithm assumes that uh, there is a relationship that if somebody belongs to this particular community he is not a good person to give loan to so there is bias in all kind of things in admissions people have made cases gender bias feminists have filed cases that and lgbtqa people have filed cases that these algorithms are biased so in india none of this happening uh, which is very strange in, in us it is this is the cutting edge of what's going on uh, another thing that i am concerned about is that uh, these algorithms have been trained on uh, western indology western study of india uh, so westerners have a certain idea what is caste or what is the meaning of uh, you know uh, swastika uh, according to them it is a nazi symbol it's illegal in many places so it's something you should red flag and ban it and maybe ban this guy and maybe put in his portfolio that he must be a fascist but in in our culture it is not so the training has been done on on based on the scholarship of people that are not uh, friendly to us uh it has not been done based on the uh, scholarship of our own adhikaris our own dharma shastras our own uh, pandits and scholars and acharyas there they the algorithms in the west have even the algorithm trying to evaluate about india and indian culture uh, 
uh, are trained by westerners according to their idea so it is not our drishti our a community's own view lens by which the algorithm is trained on how to look at that community the community is looked at through what i call western universalism which is the lens of western western people their history their philosophy what happened in europe you know based on all that they've come up with a theory that this is normal for everybody in the whole world but that's not true uh, it's normal for them but may not be normal for us so this uh, this is kind of training based on western universalism even of indian culture is quite misleading it's a legal problem people should challenge it so then there is a uh, another uh, issue i have is uh, in battleground 1 there'll be loss of jobs uh, who is going to retrain these workers does the employer have liability and responsibility that if you uh, many thousands lakhs of work, uh, workers become redundant who's going to retrain it's going to be very expensive they keep saying that we'll retrain but they don't really have it in their budget if you look at corporate budget there is no line item saying retraining due to automation they don't they don't uh, want to talk about it so then there is this loss of agency uh, the 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 in individuals are becoming dumber more dependent on algorithms algorithms are becoming smarter so there is a there is a uh, unfair treatment of certain cultures uh, 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 you know sometimes they will say they will ban one of my block i get a notice from facebook or youtube that this particular post of yours or video of yours violates community standards now they don't tell me what community standard who decides give me some proof what it violates it is just something their their algorithm concluded and there is no accountability and uh, 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 so i could go on and we'll talk more as the questions come but what is really concerning me is that india is being gamified and by foreign foreign ai it is not the fault of ai it is whoever is owning it if i own the ai and use it to monitor you do surveillance on you then manage you then gamify you then decide what to do with you then you know i have the power but if you own the ai you can do the same to me also so it's a question of who owns ai and india does not have much ownership of ai per se this way this is when i will stop uh, because i i would love to have some interesting questions from your side thank you i would say this is an interesting introduction since we actually have come to the point to discuss about how uh, companies in various parts of the you know the western sphere as we say or whatever they have actually kind of uh, influenced us through ai in many ways i mean you gave some interesting examples like the surveillance in kumela and there were harvard university uh, scholars who were doing it then you also gave example of facebook twitter google in fact facebook incorporated does that i mean that's how algorithmic surveillance happens so my question is about the basic philosophy of the book in the very introductory part you have actually uh, covered a very good comparative analysis of the understanding of vedanta and you have also expressed that due to because we'll definitely discuss modernization of human mind which is a very interesting idea that you have discuss, uh, discussed in the book but um, so my first question would be in this way that since you say that the vedic uh, vedantic understanding which is basically in indian philosophy has to do with human consciousness while artificial intelligence is used to kind of machine it kind of animate uh, material desires and material understandings of human life whatever it is uh, uh, how can uh, how can we and you know how can we learn obviously because even uh, understanding of vedanta can start from one particular scholar or one particular rishi but then when you go for the commentaries it's deeper 
so how should we uh, take inspiration now should we understand that the the materialization of our conscious needs is decluttered through vedanta and how should we understand this comparison if you could if you can highlight more about that sure so but just to i will answer this just to let you know i'm writing a se- series of uh, sequel books to go deeper into all these problems so i am i am one of them is on vedic ai vedic uh, you know vedic inspired ai can we use ai to uh, uh, you know in line with the vedic thought and i believe we can and i'm developing that uh, but the the gist of your question is the inward journey versus the outward journey the outward journey is materialism biological materialism which says that i am basically biology there is no such self self spirit wagera atma kuch nahi hai and basically i'm uh, i'm basically this uh, all these organs organs are made of molecules molecules are made of atoms it's just material thing and so uh, the, you know if you have some technology which can manipulate and create hormones i feel happy uh, create endomorphins create uh, you know pleasure for me sensory pleasure give me the fake fake pleasure fake just like there's fake news there's fake pleasure i feel Uh, something which is not even real so but vedant says that that is a delu- delusion that you are deluding yourself you are living you are going deeper into the illusion you are going deeper and deeper <laughs> and we are saying are bhaiya even without ai we are saying neti neti you know we are saying neti neti give up give up all this and get to the real bliss and pleasure comes from being with yourself and discovering that higher self within you the higher consciousness within you so ai is taking you further down it's taking you further away from that so ai will there will be a streaming service where uh, somebody will charge you x rupees a month and they will give you streaming of joy aapko uh, uh, you will have a silver level or a gold level or a platinum level or di- diamond level of happiness and joy artificially created for you <laughs> because it will know aapki hobbies kya hain aapko chocolate khana hai you like this particular uh, actress you want to have a fantasy with this actress whatever your fantasies are whatever makes you happy the ai can understand you very well better than human psychologists can and then ai can artificially give you that also so you know people will end up with artificial life with some kind of fake life and lot of people will become total morons total zombies living in this kind of world and these digital companies become will become worth even more they are already so rich the richest companies in the world now they become even richer because they are hacking the the deepest desire side of human beings so you see the 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 world becoming fake experience becoming fake less and less real away from the journey of vedant is a serious issue and gurus need to understand it i am writing i i finally found that ramakrishna mission finally got interested in me i convinced one young swami in uh, new york and he's uh, reading my book and very interested and he passed it on to the editors of their journal prabud bharat and they want me to write an article on this whole thing about you know the spiritual consequences of all of these things so i feel that at least one guru organization is interested but most of the others don't want to talk about it they are afraid to talk about it maybe they are embarrassed they want to quietly read it and then pretend they know all of this you know but uh, i wish the gurus would play a role because i would like to have discussions with them on what is a, what is a responsible way for a, a, a vedic people vedanta people vedantic people to engage in ai without getting letting it delude you you know you there are so many benefits it gives you it can help you in agriculture it can help you in medical surgery it can you know so many things it can do uh, uh, it could also pro- probably help in more efficient yes, it's in more efficient 
energy generation and climate change areas, all those kind of things it can help you, practical things it can do. But what concerns me is when it starts manipulating the human mind. When you are, when it is used by human mind to solve disease and to solve problems here and there and, you know, all of that, fine. That is one thing. But when you turn the surveillance into the human person himself and then you gamify the person and then you, the person becomes an object. Uh, the person becomes an object controlled by whoever is controlling this AI machine. Then I think there is a serious ethical problem. And I think that is where law has to come in. Because there, are, there must be laws against brainwashing or some voodoo, ma black magic. They, because when you are doing black magic, there are these uh, laws against superstition and black magic. You are fooling people with deception. That is the idea. That you are fooling people with deception. And so, so there are laws against it. It's a crime. So similarly, I could argue that a lot of this AI is actually fooling people. And, and the, the, when there's misinformation, when there's fake information, uh, when there is, they're giving you a, a sense of who I am, which is not real, and which is going to get me in trouble, that should be a responsibility also. That's really interesting. Uh, that was the reason why I did ask question about Vedantic understanding and how this affects. So uh, let us discuss a little bit about uh, the modernization of human mind, because that has been a very uh, one of the one of the most important constituents of this book. So why I would like to ask the question about this is because you've also discussed about algorithmic biology, where you have very interestingly made a point that issue of algorithmic biology and even issues uh, the nativity of cultures can come into a UN convention on biological heritage. And that has actually been a very interesting uh, comment per se. So I would like to understand uh, for the sake of the podcast, what is modernization of mind and uh, how can we understand biologically in that sense, algorithmically how uh, AI is being used in various forms. It can be facial recognition, it can be speech recognition, it can be robotics, it can be anything. But how it is. So if you if may shed some light upon it. Sure. And I'm glad you asked this question. So moronization means Okay, you're making a fool out of people. So, <laughs> so moronization means that as machines get smarter, people getting dumber. Machines getting smarter, people getting dumber. People saying uh, uh, we will ask Google how do I why do I need to know anything? Sir, why do I need to study law? I'll ask Google. And now, you know, you should, uh, go. your law students will say, uh, why work so hard? Case law, Google mein sara jayega. They will tell us what we need. Usko puchenge, Google devta, and he will answer it. So this is becoming dumb, you know, dumb. So uh, see, ask Siri, ask Alexa, some voice device somewhere. Ask, uh, uh, you know, uh, toy, uh, go to Wikipedia. You don't even have to type. You just speak and, you know, you get your answer. So this business of the adhikar, the source of knowledge and authority is shifted to the digital algorithms. Uh, people who, And these people who own these algorithms are sitting far away some other country. And they don't have any vested interest in what is happening in India. They're just marketing and making money. So uh, the whole generation is being raised on this, uh, what I, the digital gurus, these digital devatas, uh, uh, you know, and we are getting dumb. So we are in awe that I'm very grateful. I'm winning. So we think that I'm beating my one Indian is beating the other Indian. 
Huh? Because he's better off in Twitter or he beat him up and uh, on uh, Facebook or something. Not realizing that that whole maidan, that whole playing field, the whole theater where we think we are dancing and we are doing all this uh, becoming important, that is controlled by somebody else. It there are these uh, th these are people who are the puppet master. They got the strings. And you are very happy. So they can also make you fight each other. They can say uh, this community, you know, they can gamify this community, whether it is farmers, whether it is uh, Dalits, whether it is Islamic people, Christian people, leftist people, Hindu people, whatever. They can take a community, understand what their hot buttons are, how they respond, what they will respond to, who their leaders are, what their ideology is, you know, how to manipulate them, how to make them think a certain way. And then they can bring in things, the kind of content to motivate them in a certain direction. They can have divide and rule. They can create divide and rule like the British East India Company did with Raja, Raja 1 versus Raja 2, because they understood they had spies, they had understood how their thinking is. So this kind of insight information and the ability to manipulate uh, while the public becoming morons, becoming, you know, and our leaders not understanding this. Our leaders don't understand what I'm telling you about. This is a very serious problem I'm finding. So this, uh, this is power in the hands of people who've got this huge uh, AI machinery going and they are 10-15 years ahead of uh, India. Uh, and, and, and Indians are very proud that we have so WhatsApp users, hai, sir. Hamare paas to kitne sare, so many Google users, so many Facebook users. We are the number two or whatever, number three or number one in the world. But it is not our technology. We are users of somebody else's technology. We may have a largest number of cell phones, but these are hardware is Chinese and the operating system is American. So what is there to be proud of? What is there to be proud of? So, you know, the, the thing is, we are proud for the wrong reason. We are proud as consumers of somebody else's product. And we are proud that he wo humko nachara hai. To hum nachare hai. To we are very proud. Humko bhot nachara hai wo. To humko jada nachara hai. Chinese loko American ni nachara sake. Because unhone out kar diya unko. <laughs> humko nachara hai. To we are number one. Obviously, obviously these, uh, the, these, uh, these social media people will send their CEO to India and, you know, have hug and selfie with the prime minister and look very important and we give them importance we think you see so this is the this is the the whole area of moronization moronization now the the, the second uh, and this is uh, this is this is battleground number 3 and this is explained in uh, i believe it's uh, chapter 4 it's explained in chapter 4 in detail and also chapter 8 uh, chapter 4 is general for everybody and chapter 8 or 9, one of them is for India particularly, how Indians are vulnerable to becoming morons. And Indians are, I would say, among the largest number of morons as far as uh, being morons of AI. Uh, because such a large population, uh, uh, totally mesmerized by this foreign stuff, not understanding the game that is being played. The second question you asked is, uh, uh, you know, the biological rights. Now, that's a, I'm glad you picked it up because very rarely have people picked up that point in the book. You see, the UN Charter gives uh, right, biological rights to uh, the traditional uh, culture where a plant has come from or some biological material has come from. If a, if, an, if a community somewhere in the Amazon jungle has been using a particular plant to treat a certain disease, 
and the pharma industry people go around the world looking for such things and they take cuttings from that tree and they bring it back to their labs and then they find out which molecule out of all the plant complicated stuff which is the molecule they can isolate that is active molecule then they get patent on it yeah and then they sell the, that medicine back to make a lot of money so the there is a law uh, 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 there is a law i've quoted in this uh, in this book where the community can claim that because it was based on their plant product even though they did not patent it but it was based on their plant product which they were using for a certain purpose they get a certain share of that right they get a certain percentage share of that intellectual property now the proposal i'm making is that just like plant is raw material for discovering drugs similarly big data is raw material for discovering algorithms for making your algorithm stronger so if the foreign company comes uh, they do some uh, surveillance in kumbh mela and they got uh, 10 crore people up to the 10 crore people there and they got a lot of diversity of genetics they got diversity of language and culture and economic strata and you know all kind of social uh, situations and they the algorithms are studying all this they're really studying a the, a very complex microcosm of the whole world in one place because kumbh mela is as diverse as the whole world put together so they're studying this and that's very precious uh, big data why are we giving it away free why, why why are we even giving it at all why aren't we letting our people there is no shortage of uh, smart people in india who could do all this why don't you go to 5 10 indian universities and put out a tender and say okay we want to give 3 4 contracts to you people come up with a proposal you will fund indian uh, indian research why why would you outsource this to foreign people i cannot understand why yogi adityanath did that according to me a serious blunder especially after i had gone to him personally and briefed him what the problem is is they still did it so that is my situation my uh, position on uh, you know turning the human being into biology and uh, turning the and looking at biology as algorithms as machine and then uh, gamifying this uh, machine uh, manipulating it making curing problems also curing lot of diseases also and putting in implants to manage it properly manage it according to the way they want to manage it so the human being becomes a biological machine uh, which is uh, which is uh, operated by uh, some ai system you know uh, and uh, so this way they can uh, treat uh, so many people in india as sort of uh, uh, you know biological objects that are working for them and they are busy collecting data out of it the busy collecting data is saying okay when i put this this happens to the body this hormone gets created this happens to this cell that cell you can do tremendous amount of research and create uh, uh, not only drugs and medicines but you can create uh, discoveries how to upgrade human being how to upgrade the vision how to upgrade the hearing how to upgrade the heart how to make the person stronger or weaker you know there is research there is research on making viruses that will only attack a particular dna type of dna okay this is not science fiction there is there are viruses that will spare a particular kind of dna which means that it will go for anybody but this particular dna it will not attack that part of the dna so so this this is all big data biology is become part of uh, biology is brought, is part of ai now 
the future of biology, the biological research, genetic, particularly genetic research, and also the microbiome, which because the sheer magnitude of complexity in the microbiome, which is the gut, and Ayurveda says it's very, very value, very precious, uh, very, very, I should say, very important part of the person is the is the gut, the microbiome, because a lot of disease comes from there, a lot of intelligence is there, a lot of solutions come from there. Uh, and so the, the, the Western medicine just discovered it. A huge amount of research using AI uh, in that area is going on. So our uh, our people need to wake up. That's what I'm trying to, all I'm trying to do. I really like that you made the point of genetics and how does it affect at a broader scale. And it's true, I mean, biology definitely is connected to AI because the question of bioethics comes in, how it is integrated. I think you have very beautifully, you know, even extended the question that I asked. So that's really great. Um, now I would like to discuss a bit about decoloniality. So we know that digital colonization has been done by various countries. The Americans have done it, the Europeans have done it, the Chinese are very good in doing it in Africa. And digital colonization has already begun in India. In fact, not just begun, it, it has very well extended. I mean, you have very well pointed out about the private actors. So digital colonization in law even means the same way in constitutional issues. So my question was that uh, the, the, the understanding of decoloniality for India is very different. And I think you have, uh, you know, I wrote about that in your past books as well, as well as uh, people are discussing about it. So when we know that digital colonization becomes normal and we know that, okay, fine, there are certain resources that you can't remove sometimes because of the thing that you have discussed. Uh, how should we start decolonizing? Because then what happens is, for example, I can make one example. Uh, when this feud between the government of India and Twitter was happening, we all know that the uh, Ku app came as an alternative. Before that, there was an uh, app known as Tutor. Tutor and Ku became alternatives. In fact, Tutor Ku had, if I may remember, five to six million users, which is like 15 million from Twitter in India. And obviously, the founder has given some high hopes about it. Still, I mean, the competition is going on and things are changing. How do you see this? How should we start decolonizing in that way? Because so, so firstly, yeah. yeah. So, firstly, I I I I I like that coup is there, but I'll tell you, it's a, it is not just about sending messages to each other. I don't think they have an AI platform. I don't think they have a machine learning platform. I don't think they have a gamification. I don't think they have advertising, uh, com uh, you know, uh, e-commerce, uh, how to monetize it. The reason the reason Facebook, if you take Facebook as a competitor or let's say Twitter as a competitor, the reason they are able to invest so much in uh, artificial intelligence and they are these are the leading in the world, these kind of companies, is because they make a lot of money on advertising. So you have to fund it. You cannot have, you cannot expect some government or somebody will fund you 10,000 crores a year, 50,000 crores a year. That's the scale of budget I'm talking about. Uh, you, you, they're not going to just give it to you for, 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 for you know, for funding it. You got to make the money in advertising. And that means you got to have a backend for, uh, you know, a whole e-commerce backend. And this requires several thousand of man years to develop this kind of e-commerce background, back backend, because... Facebook did not invent it overnight. Twitter didn't invent it overnight. You know, YouTube didn't invent it. Amazon didn't invent it. They, these guys took a long time. It's a lot of effort to do all this. So they have the experience lead of 10 years, 15 years. Who hasn't even started, uh, you know, uh, monetizing and, and being able to make money so that uh, you can break even, then you can have profit, then you can invest the profit to uh, invest in new technologies. 
So the, there is no AI in it. Uh, there is no uh, use of the big data to uh, learn and and be able to do things. It's just a, a pretty dumbed down, basic, simple bachit karne ke liye, just that. So at the level or at a surface level, it looks like it can uh, it can replace, but it cannot replace because uh, once the scale goes up, once the size of the uh, the the number of people goes up and the number of coups that are being put out there, it becomes very large. The point is that uh, it will take a huge amount of hardware. That will take money. Uh, you, you need to, you'll also need responsible people on the staff to block those who are irresponsible, those who are talking nonsense, uh, to, uh, to stop misinformation, to stop uh, libel and slander. So you will need a lot of uh, staff. Uh, you know, you, so be, I mean, if you look at how many staff does Facebook have, uh, you know, if, if it's, it's in the tens of thousands. So who cannot afford that? Uh, uh, even though Indian salaries are lower, but who cannot afford that unless you have a, a financial model? So I think I think the excitement is OK, is good, uh, but it's very it's very basic solution. Uh, I would have liked somebody like Reliance to do it because they have the money. I would have liked TCS to do it. I would have liked Infosys to do it. I would have liked Mahindra to do it. I would have liked somebody with billions of dollars rather than buying some fancy jet and buying some island somewhere and building a 20-story house and living like that. I mean, they could easily have said, we're going to create the, we're going to become, like China said 15 years ago, that they will be the number one in artificial intelligence by 2025. That was openly stated. It was first secret, private, then they made it open more and more last many years. So India needs to have a goal like that. I mean, if if they could, if Ku can set up a goal, uh, uh, you know, it will need a very large amount of funding. And and a small company, you know, people in India, the venture capitalists give a little bit of money. They do not give uh, big money like the Americans and Chinese have got so much money to invest. So as far as the future is concerned, can it take on the uh, uh, the digital giants from other countries? I'm not sure. And then don't expect that as it takes five years to, to catch up with where they are today, that those people are sitting still. They are well, going further ahead. In 2022, Facebook is going to introduce augmented reality goggles. And so will uh, Apple. So now Facebook will become a hardware company. So they will combine, they will have a huge install base like uh, Apple has iPhones. They'll, they'll, Facebook will have these goggles. And they're testing them. I know some people who are involved in the testing of this. So this is pretty awesome stuff. They will give you amazing experiences, which is what they are, which is what this whole Facebook is about. Uh, people wanting experiences and having friends and have virtual parties and whatnot. So these augmented uh, goggles will, will give you that. Uh, and eventually it will be implanted. So this will take the AI, all the big data, all the knowledge they have, and give you not just typing, but a whole different level of experience. So, you know, Ku may catch up with where they, where other people are today. And those other people will by then jump ahead, you know. I, I think that uh, it is not a chota mota business today. It is not a startup from scratch, kind of with 20 people. I don't know how many employees they have, but whatever they have, 100 people is nothing. It is a big game of big, big boys. And so uh, I'm, I'm disappointed at... Uh, Reliance for not getting into this. I'm disappointed that Reliance would rather sell out equity to Google and Facebook, which is easy way out. Because Reliance is delivering 1.3 billion consumers 
which those foreign companies cannot access on their own. Uh, Reliance has the government connections. They can, you know, they can wine and dine and entertain all the people in Delhi required to get in and do all that. Reliance is very good at that, which the foreign guys cannot do and they're also afraid. Uh, so Reliance gives them all that access to the market, uh, in a sense, selling out. I, I, I have a whole section saying India is for sale in my, in my book. Uh, and rather than selling out access to the Indian market to these foreign entities, they should have done the uh, exact opposite. They should have said, we're going to do search engine with all the Indian languages. Uh, we'll do search engine where when you search, it's not only what you say, but what you've written exactly, but phonetic. Sanskrit is a phonetic language. So even the phonetic equivalents and phonetic similar things it look for. It could have, it could, so it could have been phonetically oriented. It could have been with Indian languages oriented. Uh, they could do that. They could do the, 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 they could jump ahead of Facebook, have their own AI, put in a lot of Indian big data and put in culturally Indian values. So train their algorithms with Indian, Indian meaning and Indian theories uh, rather than Western universalism. All of that uh, could be done. And then I would say, okay, now I'm very proud that India is really giving it, giving it, uh, giving the whole world what it's good for uh, the point on uh, the point on inculturation of values of india is something which is very important because i think even if we see uh, the ban of tiktok for example so tiktok also had this issue that they have a very weird recommendation system that okay you actually post something according to the graphics the music or the kind of background things that you choose up they try to create popularity scheme in that way and then they try to manipulate you. Obviously, there are other examples in America as well where TikTok has been accused of racism and all that. But maybe we can discuss this some other day. So uh, this is a really interesting point made on Kuhap. So I hope that uh, those who are watching it definitely take the feedback into consideration. Um, so I would like to ask Madhutpal to go ahead with some questions as he wishes to. So Madhutpal, please. Yes. Um, so, um, reports by Analytics India and NITIO show that most of our ventures on AI are run by multinational corporations. We have a problem that Indians often officially get inspired. That is, they copy-paste the European or Western models of privacy and data standards. Since we know that the EU is a regulatory superpower due to its GDPR, although the context is exactly legal, but would you be happy to know? Uh, would we be happy to know how you would like to suggest reforms? Because our strategic thinkers actually lack a nuanced and unique form of thought process to tackle and develop an alternate AI model. We even uh, experienced it during our artificial intelligence general assembly when a delegate actually told us that he was uh, a French delegate actually told us that he was expecting a more index perspective. But what he actually got from us was more of a GDPR and EU-based perspective. So, you know, you, you're quoting from my book or paraphrasing from my book, I guess. I, I've written in great length that uh, Indian venture capital is all basically dominated by American and Chinese. Now the Chinese are not there. Chinese are, by the way, still there through Hong Kong and through uh, Middle East. I, I, you know, you might think Chinese are not there. But Paytm, the, the, the equity that uh, Alibaba, whoever, you know, owns in Chinese company owns in Paytm is not directly it is through uh, Singapore. <laughs> so if India says 
India, it'll have a problem with trade relations with Singapore if India says we can't allow Singapore investment because there's Chinese behind it, you know. So it's very difficult to ban these guys. Uh, so they're coming through Mauritius also. So now what has happened is, uh, but the majority is American. And the dream of an uh, Indian entrepreneur is to sell out to some American venture capitalists or sell it to Google or something like that. So you, what you are saying is an important point I've made uh, in this book, that it is also copycatting. So Uber did something, so we made something similar. This Airbnb, then Indian come up with something similar. There is uh, Amazon, then you know Flipkart comes. So we are trying to, like being 10 years behind, trying to copy something. So now, uh, you know, maybe coup will be successful in India, but you know, it's like 10, 15 years behind what the other people are doing. India needs to innovate. And the strange thing is that uh, a lot of the innovation happening in US, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere is Indian people. But these Indian people like the ecosystem of innovation in America. They, they don't find it in India. It's very strange. This is very, this is very, this Indians should think about it. Ministry of Science and Technology interviewed me yesterday, the secretary of, the, of that ministry. And this is what I told him also, that, you know, you're, you're not innovative. So the, the point of innovation is important. As far as your question on the data issue is concerned. I've read the Niti Aayog's report. I've read Chris Gopalakrishnan's. He's a good guy, smart fellow. I've read his uh, the commission he has, the committee he has, their proposal. I've read a lot of them. And I do not find it satisfactory at all. Uh, so there are a lot of basic uh, issues. For one thing, India feels incorrectly that if you anonymize the data, you've protected it. But you see, anonymizing the data only means that we won't know it's you. But still the value of facial recognition is there. I can still make algorithm out of it. Even though I don't know the even though I don't know the exact names of people, I can I can I, I'm able to improve the algorithm for speech recognition. I'm able to improve drug discovery with genetics. I don't need to know the name of the person if I'm getting his genetics, if I'm getting his DNA and I'm correlating with what disease he has, what age he has, and I'm build, my, my model is learning, the you know, using this genetic data as big data is learning. I don't need the names of those people. So why is it relevant? I can just replace the name with a number and satisfy all these people that I've anonymized. So anonymization is not, is only protecting one kind of problem, not protecting enough problem. Second thing I keep hearing, whenever I raise this issue for the last five years, by the way, I've been raising this issue privately to a lot of people. Another thing I always heard in defense from, in, from their side is that uh, we, have, we are having laws where the, uh, the, the servers have to be based in India. So I said server could be, you know, if I have information on you and I'm using that information to my advantage and uh, I, I, this is a lot of good information that can help me. It doesn't matter if the server, server is sitting in your house also. Server could be physically anywhere. It's a question of who has access. The access, the servers in India, how does it change the access? The access, uh, Amazon's got servers in India, but uh, they're accessing it. Uh, they, it could be put on the moon also. How does it matter? In this day of cloud, the location of the cloud is irrelevant. So you may, you may put all these servers in India, but do you know how to make sense of the data? No. The Indian authorities would not, if they took all the data and copied it and brought it in-house, they would not know how to make sense of it. Because that depends very specifically on the algorithm. That algorithm knows how these tables are, how these tables have been set up, and what the what each row, each column means. The algorithm knows because of each uh, each, each uh, machine learning 
system has its own data design. So that data design is kept by is owned by other people, and that's proprietary. So India has not asked for a full disclosure of the data design, data architecture. So having having physical custody of their data is useless unless you know what is the data architecture, how to make sense of it. It's just a bunch of zeros and ones unless you can make sense of it. So India has not even it's all lip service. It's to keep people happy, and it's like a placebo keeping the public that oh yeah we are doing a lot of this stuff. I am not satisfied that this kind of a thing is good enough. And besides, you know, if we are training their algorithms, which India is both with the big data and a lot of uh, a large army of uh, junior level AI people who are doing labeling, they are doing labeling. So by labeling, we are making their algorithms smarter and smarter. We have never asked for equity in that. We have never asked for share of that. You see, so the the whole uh, thinking of India is sort of very uh, low expectations. We do not have enough expectations. Uh, we are not shooting high enough, aiming high enough, for given the uh, the the strengths India has. We're just looking for uh, okay, don't, you know, give me a copy of this data. Uh, you know, keep it on my premises. I'll feel secure. It's all psychological, emotional security. There's nothing else. Uh, make it anonymous so that no, there's no scandal that uh, some important person's data leaked out. Fine. It gives you some basic level of protection, but it is not the it is not the power of a Vishwa Guru that uh, that uh, these kind of policies will take us to. Yes, so I have a question from the public on YouTube from uh, Siddharth Ravi Kumar, and I think I must address this question right away since we're discussing a telecom and all that. Uh, Siddharth asks, uh, do you think vernacular-based programming languages would clear a barrier for the majority of Indians to get into CS in AI? What do you think, sir? So do you think vernacular, so would it create, would it, it depends. If you create, if you have a vernacular-based uh, or Indian language, let's say Indian language-based, uh, you know, software development tools, it will open up a large market of uh, people who have no access today because they have to learn English. You know, even in your field, which is law, uh, you can go to a court and argue in Hindi, but the case laws are not published in Hindi. Am I right? Uh, yes, uh, in the high courts, you can have in uh, various regional and obviously Hindi, but in the Supreme Court, you cannot. No, no. So, but I'm saying, I'm saying, if I if I'm a Hindi, if I'm a uh, if I'm a somebody who wants to argue in uh, you know uh, Telugu, okay, okay. Uh, okay. So the court will allow me, but I don't have access to the case law in Telugu. Generally, I think in the uh, district level subordinate courts, you can have it in regional languages because in the even in Uttar Pradesh, you can do that. But uh, even the case laws, even in PDF or hard copy, they can be. But for the high courts, it's English. No, no. But let, yes. me, let me ask you, if I want the case law, I am going to the lower court mm -hmm. and I'm going to the lower court in, uh, in Uttar Pradesh. Yeah. But to argue my case in Uttar Pradesh, I know of, a, I know of some case that happened in Tamil Nadu. Okay. Okay. I know a case that happened in Tamil Nadu. I want mm -hmm. uh, that that to be available to me in Hindi. And, con and, and okay, okay. That's my that's what I'm saying. And, yeah, or definitely. I'm a I'm a Chennai lawyer, and I want to argue in Tamil. Okay. And I know that there is a case in uh, Uttar Pradesh which will support me. I will use that as a precedence. 
but that was argued in hindi and it was published only in english i don't want to go to those languages i'm not able to do that the case law published the books that are come out case law that are sitting in your office and every lawyer's office those are in english am i right yes naturally yes they are in english yes okay so it means that if i am a i am a hindi speaking lawyer i am at a disadvantage i don't know the case law am i right uh, yes like in kerala there is an example of a few lawyers who are i think maybe getting old now but they actually argue in sanskrit in lower courts so even for them it's a disadvantage so yeah because if now you see this is a good application of ai rather than worrying about foreign somebody should take all the case law in english and do a ai based translation yes okay in so fact, yeah. okay so now you see the thing is this if you use google for translating from english to hindi or or any of these microsoft the translation quality is lousy but when you take that same passage from english if you translate it into french it's very good because because they have invested in improving the quality of translation for certain languages now rather than us investing in training microsoft translator we should because they own the intellectual property then we are making them smarter making ourselves dumber we should be investing in our own translator there is no reason why we cannot have natural language processing and use it for translation purposes and create made in india atmanirbhar translators owned by indian companies intellectual property not built on top of microsoft not built on top of google but built entirely on top of our own platform and 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 then we can start a service to translate lots of texts like legal texts into all the languages that's really true uh, i think i have got a follow up from siddharth if you wish to take sure. it so what he meant was for as he says uh, i mean not just a programming language word by word translated from an established english based prg lang i mean language uh, i meant something based on vernacular indian idioms basically natively indian so what would what do you think of it yeah, yeah i mean if it is based on indian idioms indian uh, indian way of thinking i i think it will be very good but you know this this requires investment this requires now you know i tell you china in china the idiom is mandarin it is not just word for word it is not that you can put in mandarin text in a in microsoft uh Uh, the whole idiom way of thinking see microsoft i'll tell you when you have microsoft in hindi you can put in a hindi ka text but when you are saying save you have to use the english word save yes okay you have to say move delete copy so you are using the commands are english ab jo ab jo india mein kisi ko bolo save he will think you are saving account hai paisa ko bachana hai save what who is going to be saved you know the idea that save means ke file ko wahan rakhna hai so we are not even using indian the microsoft people did not even bother replacing the commands with indian indian language equivalent they could have done that very easily i mean it's not like millions of words it's like a, a few hundred words that are all the commands they could have replaced those and put them in hindi so that the hindi person does not feel at a disadvantage because he does not know english like uh, for example there's as they do in hindi for example microsoft word and all that okay one more question i'll take from the same person but i just uh, to add on to it uh, for example if it says save what they do it they translate it into hindi like sa 
इंडियन इंस्टीट्यूट ऑफ टेक्नोलॉजी वो देवनागरी में लिखा है दैट इज नॉट हिंदी That is English, but you are just using Devanagari as a script. Bhasha is oral. That's true. That's really true. I think uh, even words like cycle or computer or train, all of that, they are not effectively translated. I, I can see. I can see modern gadgets that okay, they came very recently. But I would say that names. Names are always in English of various in, in, companies. Yevo, Plana. organizations uh, and then you know the concepts are also in english you look at hindi press it is lot lot of it is uh, english written in devanagari that's really true i mean most of them copy from the french and italian variants or the british variants <laughs> anyways one last question from him since he's requesting uh, from siddarth again uh, one more question if you don't mind do you think our shastras on maths have enough material to do something fundamentally new in cs and ai like multi valued logic not binary for instance so yes yeah there is uh, there are many things i'm writing on if you are interested you should write to me privately at, at my email id and uh, you can join you know help me out and we can work on how to do this if you are interested in these things but i'm looking at also more more deeper issues uh, where where our theories in vedant our theories of mind our theories of society social theory all of that can become a very important part of whole ai engine and that ai engine would be much more would be bharat friendly and our culture friendly and not something alien that we brought in so math yes math is one part uh, but there are many things in uh, linguistics in uh, the structure of languages in uh, in grammar uh, you know we could use those to make translations among the indian languages much better so this 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 whole field is a very big field and my book is basically trying to wake up people that we are now sleeping we put ourselves on autopilot the foreign wallas are running our life and running our show and we're very happy and we think we are doing very well uh, because we are creating more and more ai courses more and more students who are going abroad and becoming part of the ai what i call ai coolies they're becoming ai coolies that is the wrong way to build india so all of these ideas you are mentioning are exactly what we have to pursue and we got to create funding for this we got to you know the government has to stop uh, this copycat business even the ministries are basically doing copycat when you look at niti ayog's strategy on ai basically they've taken some report from mckinsey price waterhouse coopers which are this all working for western corporates and world economic forum they done all these kind of their data mind all that pick up jar, nice jargon and some diagrams and all and made their own you know for india this is useless i mean i'm sorry yeah 
in fact uh, i have tried to read them the report at least five times and i've realized not five times just for the sake of it but uh, i realized one thing that not only they have just copied from mckinsey their aesthetic understanding is very undervalued all of it is just about making india that okay fine we are just a ai garage and everyone from nigeria or anyone would just come and invest in us i mean like we should think about exporting ourselves for india through india in a better way that's what i think we even discussed about china that how china the chinese did how jackma did so, so you know you know, uh, you, know, you, know you know this uh, china apne kaha tha ki china has colonized africa they've also colonized pakistan yes they have and, and yes. that is very dangerous for india because it it, it it's creating a new kind of uh, pakistan a, a new chinese pakistani uh, alliance now somebody asked yeah. in the uh, meeting uh, in the in a conversation yesterday Uh, what would i do what would be my vision uh, what would be the milestones i would say for for social media ai indian ai uh, empowered social media i would say that like today the social media is american and they are influencing the world through that and some countries chinese we should indian in indian social media with indian ideas values uh, you know etc should be flooding nepal and pakistan and bangladesh and sri lanka and uh, myanmar and indonesia i mean come on why can't we do that why itni badi hum keh rahe hain software superpower to ban gaye ji to software superpower ab ban gaye aapke paas lakhon indians hain jo is kaam ko jante hain why can't we have a goal which says by 2025 india's market share of nepali social media will be more than the american market share for social media and india will achieve so much percent market penetration in pakistan the next year so much next year put a put a graph put target five year target put a target for bangladesh put a target for bhutan bhutan also got more americans uh, only americans uh, uh, thinking going on there so at least all the neighboring countries and asian countries india should set up goal say in five years we will dominate their social media and we will do whatever it takes if it takes that we have to go into their language we will do language translation we will put the ai language translation we will own it and we will have uh, in bahasa in uh, malay language in all these languages we will we will be the brains and superpower and our values our uh, our ideas will go into all these countries india should do that that's a really interesting point made i think uh, they can even further their objective through the quad by becoming the leader in that way not just giving everything to joe biden so i mean that's a really interesting point made yeah great let's just go on with the final questions because i think we already have gone past um so one thing which i really liked and i think we must discuss it not for the sake of the discussion only but i think even in ai and law research is about the aesthetic aesthetic and pragmatic relationship of things which is actually through ai in fact uh, it is very important because i mean it happens in law as well i mean we inherited the westminster system the common law from britain but the problem is that uh, we always have this tendency that okay fine okay we have a democracy but in general i'm taking although it happens in technology as well that okay we have this aesthetic understanding we impose it we believe that we also had the aesthetic history that's why often what happens is that people try to um mono, you know what we people say a uh, monotonize like kind of make things similar the way they are as it was in europe like we also had something like the french revolution however things are very different so if you say in that way how this uh, monopolization happens in, as far as ai is concerned to this 
um, one part of your chapter which is on aesthetic and pragmatic aspects. Um, what should we understand from it, and what are your suggestions here? See, the aestheticization, aesthetics versus pragmatics, is such a big topic. I could write a whole book on it. I mean, this is really, really a very big topic. It's just that this book was becoming so big that even to fit it in 520 pages, I had to make everything summarize, summarize. So that is one of the one of the topics uh, that uh, is very big topic. And what I would like is that if you want to conduct a sort of a seminar or a conference on this whole topic of aesthetics, the the whole issue of uh, pragmatics and aesthetics. I think it deserves that attention. I'm glad you raised this because very few people have raised this when they're asking me questions. They, it is too complicated for them. It is very difficult. They just move on. Uh, the The issue is very important. Uh, the issue is I, I started this philosophically. Philosophically, I started by saying, "Is the universe pragmatic? Uh, if the if the if there are all these laws that if you do this, ye hoga gravitation law hai." you know all the things moving very pragmatically there's no aesthetic they're just moving pragmatically like a like an algorithm if the universe is an algorithm it's all very pragmatic so i was actually studying this for all my life from a philosophical point of view that is the universe a pragmatic algorithm the whole universe everything and then if it is pragmatic algorithm where do aesthetics fit in because after all we have kavya we have a lot of aesthetics so where do aesthetics fit in what is the role of aesthetics and what is the role of pragmatics and how do they fit with each other this is a kind of inquiry then then i combined this inquiry with a different inquiry because uh, the marxists came up with the uh, idea the theory of the aestheticization of politics which uh, changed sheldon pollock turned it into aestheticization of power so how you aestheticize power in a court you have this drama baji you know and pehle to hota tha they used to wear these funny wigs garmi maybe i would say, my god uh, pragmatically it is stupid but aesthetically uske sath shaan hai apni bahut shaan wah main i am standing there like i'm some lord somebody you know so india adopted as you said <laughs> european and western aesthetics and till today ye jitne bhi ye jaipur literary festival wale log hain ya us tarah ke shoshagiri wale you know penguin may publish all these kind of guys uh, and and the you know fanfare given to them thanks to this idea of secularism and therefore secularism means we have to copy the west and all you know the western values so this whole westernized aesthetics came into india whether so in a court also the 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 lawyer who is very good Uh, and uh, uh, in and uh, very humble and very low cost uh, he doesn't get this job whereas a lawyer charging 50 times more because he has his presence and he knows how to speak and like some angrez fellow uh, he get lot of uh, you know people ask me aapko koi kis tarah ka lawyer lena hai jo kaam kar dega ya jo khub bombast karke court mein jayega and this is india has bought into this aesthetics of uh, legal for court proceedings and media media uh, you know giant how to become like a very powerful media figure and this kind of aesthetic works in politics in india also the kind of neta who goes around and does all this so i am the this play of uh, pragmatics which is algorithmic and aesthetics takes us into the area of emotion the human being is logical so his logical side says i'm pragmatic you miss kahan se fayda hoga yahan kaam banega yahan nahi banega whatever he's he's got pragmatic goals 
but the human being is also emotional and so there is the aesthetic side you can you can enter into a person through the emo, emo, aesthetic side so the ai at first was focused on pragmatics only pragmatics like you know you drive a car properly okay or you pragmatics of uh, you know you do, analyze x-rays and see if there's any issue in an x-ray or 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 whatever pragmatic results but ai is now getting into the emotional dimension ai there is emotional ai ai in terms of understanding uh, what kind of emotion this guy has what is he likely to how is his behavior being affected by his emotions i'm going to win him over not just through pragmatic logic but also giving him some emotional symbolic thing psychological uh, cycle so the psychological warfare that ai's machine learning is getting better and better at involves the use of aesthetics also this topic is an amazing topic it's a very big topic it's one of the original one of several things i'm proud of as a very original idea in this book uh, bringing pragmatics and aesthetics into the context of ai and into the context of indian society i think is a very big topic that i'm glad you mentioned it but it deserves a lot of time so we are with the last question and then we would be done with it and this is about i believe it's a fantasy because even scientifically i believe that they are just trying to impose it as you very well said in, in the very beginning about artificial general intelligence now we know all of this myth that okay some agi form of a matrix will come and it will rule and all that so how do you see it because i don't think so india has an agi strategy either i have even heard un diplomats and even uh, you know policy thinkers who say that there's a short term perspective on regularization and technocratic regularization and then there's a long term perspective that everything will control you and all that thing which i believe somehow is very insane because um, first of all if you are going to do that you're going to lower the capability of human beings as you have very rightly pointed out in the book so how should india prepare for agi we understand we are not at a stage but still and there would be one question from sudar if you wish to take it it's uh, again he wishes to have a follow up but for now on agi yes so so you know the thing is that uh, uh, agi is not as far away as many people might think or let's just say there is no disconnect between agi and non agi there is many continuum it will be gradual it will be the steps it's like you're climbing the steps towards agi but you're climbing some steps you are five steps then you will be seven steps so you will be approaching it it is not like ab kuch bhi nahi hai it's getting better uh, the 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 artificial intelligence certainly getting is learning the algorithms are learning faster than human child can learn you takes a long time to train raise a child it doesn't take that long to uh, train an algorithm so algorithms are very fast learning you know and so whether we are going to reach agi at year x or y the point is india is so india i am worrying that india will not last i am really concerned that india as a sovereign country will not last because my concern is that with the overpopulation and with this uh, breakup of societies which ai will do which uh, ai can create breaking india forces 2.0 and create a lot of these fights and schisms and all that very effectively and we don't control it foreign people control it uh, with that and the pakistan china access using this technology against us which they are very definitely going definitely they're going to do this uh, the this will be this militarized ai 
through drones and through facial recognition and through robotics and through various kinds of weapons and whatnot and secret submarines that are dro- uh, without any humans in them. All of that is happening. So Pakistan is really avail- wanting to get into that in a big way with China. So if you look at external threats, Indian uh, internal threats, uh, and and the Indians for sale, billionaires to Kushan, they don't care because they have their money stashed away everywhere, and so they don't care. And a lot of the uh, the Paralika youth are working like coolies. What will happen to the fifty percent lower social demographic people, five hundred, six hundred million people of the lower half? What will happen to them? There will be problem there will be social unrest there will be so many uh, things going on politics you can keep winning election and maybe you can have power political power but that doesn't mean the rashtra is healthy that does, it doesn't mean the rashtra is healthy just because you have poli- you can get political power you can have power and the country could be you know in trouble so i'm worried about that and i'm worrying about the role of ai in the, the next 5 years 8 years 10 years in creating serious problems in india AGI is fantastic we should put some some amount of research into it but i think we should also learn from the chinese that uh, some very, some technologies when they are very early stage they are very open and you can copy a lot chinese very good at that chinese will say ki jo you know they will make their bets very carefully they bet on solar energy they bet on uh, driver these uh, electric vehicles is lithium ion battery they bet on ai they bet on certain things and on other things they said ki let america do it we'll just keep keep track of it we'll just keep copying it agi is still at a academic stage such that it's an open book more or less a large part of it is quite open and if you are uh, if you are intelligent you can just keep sucking in that all the discoveries all the experiments they are doing all the results they are getting but i am concerned about things that are very pragmatic which are very near term which are now becoming closed which are not open source anymore cia has a lot of lot of advanced technology chinese have a lot of advanced technology to some extent russians have french have and india doesn't that's the big concern i must i must say that's an amazing point we are doing uh if you would like to address this last query sure. um by sure. sudar yes so sudar says one last question what do you think about the recent digital public infra approach being pioneered in india as techno legal solutions such as aadhar upi digilocker etc which is within the india stack so what do you think sir so yeah yeah i mean these are fine these are fine uh but there are privacy issues uh, just because it's in india doesn't mean that uh, it's safe uh people have to look for what is a protection that an individual get this is your field your lawyer people so you have to look at what is the legal protection for for a, a citizen can the government gamify us the way chinese are gamifying their citizen that's a problem i mean if they start gamifying the average indian and say okay aap galat malhotra jati is no good because malhotras are bad people to jo jahan bhi malhotra hoga uske upar laga denge hum so then i i i'll have a problem you know so uh, you have to you have to the, the the data is this ai is so powerful when you put all this data together that there is also the concern of too much power but at the same time with proper legal safeguards where a citizen should have a, a right to say you have this data on me i want to know what data you have did you make this decision about rejecting my loan based on ai how was it decided if a person has a case that something unfair is being done using this ai he should have a 
he should there should be special courts and these courts need to be more sophisticated more intelligent better informed judges so you got to upgrade the whole judges also the judiciary so they can understand a complicated ai case i don't know where you'd go in india if you have a complicated ai case about a biased algorithm i don't know where you'd go where somebody will listen to you and understand it so if if india is moving ahead with all of this kind of a building of huge massive superset data uh, you know of all these kind of things put together there are a lot of applications that will come out of it uh, but there are also the dangers not only from indian government against indian society but also foreign hacking you know reserve bank gave permission to foreign credit agencies to invest in india so the credit data of india is available to the americans so if a if a missionary is going to a village and he wants to target those people who are poor or those people who lost a lot of money who don't have who need help financially he can quickly get a list of these are the target families these are the target families that have a medical problem these are the target families they have a legal problem they're fighting each other you know it's a it's a brilliant for any marketing organization if you can know so much about the personal life of your consumers your customer you can do so much better for any ideological person anyone recruiting maoists anyone recruiting terrorists looking for people who got problem of a certain kind because the ai system shows that a certain profile is the more likely person to be recruited so then you can target these people so the 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 the, the giving away of uh, financial data of uh, individuals credit data to foreign credit agency was a big mistake in my opinion india needs to uh, so this business of putting all the data together uh, has the problem that you know people will hack in chinese will hack in even if you don't give them the permission people can hack into these things and then what happened to when there's quantum computing we didn't talk about it when there's quantum computing they can hack into all the encryption of normal computers the only defense against a quantum computer attack will be that you have your own quantum computer to shield it okay if you have quantum encryption you can shield it against some quantum attack but if we do not we are ten, we are many years behind in quantum computing i just did a interview uh, with the one uh, the leading quantum computing expert from oxford that they just brought into tifr uh you know young man very bright fellow uh cambridge sorry from cambridge they brought him into tifr and so he also shows how far behind we are in uh, quantum computing so with these vulnerabilities uh you know when you put so much data together it's definitely going to be compromised that's a concern so we have we have multiple problems to put together to solve with um so i would say with a cautious and a much aware note uh we would end this session i would thank rajiv sir for coming for the session if you want to know more about my book www.aiandpower.com aiandpower.com you can get a lot of excerpts and introduction and a lot of videos we have 30 episodes like this already up there many more episodes coming uh, if you want to join you send there is a place to join our mailing list and then we in, keep you informed of all our our ai activities uh, and uh, and uh, i'm looking forward to receiving from my hosts a recording uh, which is what we discussed a video recording uh, because then you know uh, uh, after a few weeks we'll also put it up and you'll get some the, the people will get to see this discussion again on a uh, you know a, a much big a very big audience which i think will be very nice so i want to i want to thank you guys 
uh, for this hosting this i think you have done a very good job you have good knowledge and i like the fact that you read the book uh, both the people asking the question read the book so therefore you're not just asking uh, very elementary questions you're asking very probing questions and i'm i'm requiring anybody who want to interview me should have read the book and they ask me specific questions from the book the more difficult the better so with that i'll also thank you and uh, say goodbye thanks well thank you sir thanks a lot and we as i said earlier we are really honored uh, at having with you with us thank you good thank you